Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello again, everybody, and thank you for joining Kim and I on Franklin Radio, WFPR 102.9. How are you, Kim? I'm well, Mark. How are you doing? Everything's fine. Thank you very much. We have another current article that just came out, Kim, we had to tell our listeners about today. It was a study by, I'm trying to find it, it was on upi.com, but I believe it was a state of the wine report by the Silicon Valley Bank. Mm -hmm. And it just came out. And again, it was a little depressing because it says the wine industry badly needs to attract millennials. And uh, right away, we sent this to each other and said, we got to we got to update the listeners again, more more breaking kind of bad trending news in the wine world. And the first thing I did, Kim, is I had to refresh myself with the millennial age ranges (laughs) and the the baby boomers and the Gen X and the Gen Zs, because I always right. get the range wrong. And so millennials, yeah, when we're talking about millennials, we're not talking about people in their 20s any longer. Yeah. 26 to 41 is the millennials. Yep. And they're saying they're turning away from wine, Kim. What did you think? It's hard, you know, because you kind of figure like, well, by that age range, you should, if you're going to start to have an interest in wine, you will have started by now, right? You know, I always say that we really can't expect the newly legal <laughs> to, to, you know, suddenly have this interest in big California Cabernets and the fine wines of Europe. But, you know, after a few years of being of legal drinking age and uh, experimenting with some things, you would think that if people were interested in wine, then they would have started buying more and, <laughs> and showing up in, in these reports. But it's saying that that maybe isn't the case. And uh, I actually found this report to be very interesting. Well, the newly legal now, the 21s would be the Gen Z people, which they didn't even really right. talk about. They right. they did say that the boomers, the baby boomers, the 58 to 67, uh, the people who were wine is for, who was buying, and they drink more than two to one uh, more than millennials. Mm-hmm. So it was focusing on that. And it says millennials are, are just churning away and they're going to other things. They're basically bored with wine. And if they don't start jumping on drinking wine, they're saying the consumption of wine may drop as much as 20% based on this report. So they're kind of putting out the, the caution, we got to do something here to grab the millennials or wine is in trouble. And that does sound like quite the dire warning, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, and this is a bank reporting it to basically people in the wine industry right. who, want in, who want to borrow money from the banks to produce wine or grow grapes or something. So- right. And this is an organization that every year releases sort of a state of the industry, you know, big, long, complicated kind of report. So I always pay attention when this one comes out because they're so consistent And they have years and years worth of data and information and things that they look into. So this is one of those things that I feel like people can trust in as opposed to a marketing thing for a winery or whatnot. 
And they were saying people were expecting the wine to rebound when the restaurants started getting active again. Instead, the lost market share. Mm-hmm. And some of the factors might have been factors that the wine growth is down and maybe because of things we mentioned all the time, the droughts, the fires, the climate yeah. change, uh, insurance costs. Sort of this doom and gloom that is going along with wine at the moment. Yeah. So all those negative things we tell our listeners about all the time, people right. are hearing it and say, kind of it's turning them off from uh, from the wine. Mm-hmm. They also mentioned they're getting reports that 42% of producers say they will raise their wine prices, which I'm sure you're seeing. I'm seeing this now is everything I'm ordering in the industry. It's pretty common. Maybe a vintage might go up one price point, which one price points, maybe two to five dollars a case. Mm-hmm. Now they're going in up twenty, thirty dollars a case. Yeah, I'm definitely and, noticing the uh, the increase in prices. And that will turn off younger, I believe, generation from spending. Mm-hmm. They had some quote in there saying millennials they live through the Great Recession and a pandemic, but they're not determined or they don't want to show that they have wealth by buying wine, which was mm. kind of a interesting little comment they made about that. Recommendations, Kim. What they said, recommendations produces to get millennials back into wine. You find any of those think that they would work that they said? I mean, I, I kind of had a different uh, different take, but you know, I feel like they may have said in this article that restaurants have rebounded from the pandemic, but I really don't see that. And I don't think that that has happened yet. So I think that once we really do see either a shift in how restaurants are run and how people are going to restaurants, I think that that will have an impact and that will be beneficial to the wine industry. I really don't see that we can count on the restaurant industry right now to be that mover and shaker for the wine industry for these younger consumers. So I yeah, mean, they're open again. They're but open, but that's not mean they're doing doesn't the say wine that they're business. yeah that they're doing a lot of wine business. I mean, we've heard so much about wine lists being cut and reduced. Staffing is an issue. So if you don't even have enough staff to fully staff your restaurant during service, how can you then spend time to train them on something like wine, which usually feels like an added extra bonus? So I feel like that that will be a benefit to the wine industry once restaurants really have recuperated. But some of the things that they talk about in this article about how to bring younger younger adults into to the fold of wine drinking is stuff that we've been talking about that marketing folks have been talking about for years, doing this focus on health and focus on diversity and focus on how environmentally friendly is the product. So I don't feel like there's necessarily any new ideas in this article. What did they mean by, I saw the diversity thing and they were saying staff diversity. Mm -hmm. So not like the wines are diverse. I mean, it's like, no, I think that that means more like who is working at in the tasting room. Do they look like Mix, the consumer? You know, can bit. they make a connection yeah. to those younger consumers, whether right. that's age or gender or race or whatnot? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And they said to highlight social values more. Yeah, that whole value-oriented thing. Yeah, sustainability, which we always talk about. Mm-hmm. 
And you made a good point about the restaurants. Now, I think a, a lot of people go in there for cocktails instead of the wine because yeah. they've had wine where they were whole, home with COVID, but they want to go out and have someone make them a nice right. drink. Right. Because it's, you know, it it highlights the this is something special and different that I, I can't get at home. Yeah. And in the restaurants, they're probably not getting the product they used to get or they're not they're not meeting with people like they were in the past to change the list or update their list for their wine list. I mean, there's a lot of work, as you know, being having done it in the industry, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of preparation for that list and meeting with people and producers and no one was traveling or you can't get the product. So a lot of things have affected that might have also caused people to lose interest in the wines in the restaurant. Yeah. And at this point, I feel like, well, something's got to give because so many of these restaurants are just barely hanging on. And I have a feeling that it's, you know, it's the wine list (laughs) that's suffering. It's the wine program that no longer existing because either the person who handled it is no longer there or there just isn't the time to give it the attention that would make more consumers be interested in their wine programs. They mentioned less lifestyle of rich, rich and famous and more cause-based marketing. So less glamifying, uh, glamification, if that's a word, <laughs> of, of wine and, and just basically push something to promote it uh, with someone will jump on your cause to drink the wine. But see, I if then you look at influencers and social media yeah, and you know people that are pushing wine brands on Instagram it's not though you know it is that pushing of the lifestyle so i don't know that i necessarily agree that the the glamour part of it has taken a back seat now i don't you know i don't want to put this out to the listeners Kim, if you don't want to but aren't you a millennial i am not you're not no oh i'm sorry i'm a gen xer oh mm. just just barely Right. By a couple years. Yeah. Okay. I was yeah. going to say, because you're in, I, I was thinking you're in this range here. Well, you must have a lot of friends that are in that range. That, I, have a, I have a few. Yeah. But know. I'm a little, I'm a little older than this. Okay. <laughs> but thank you for thinking that I'm a little bit younger. All right. All right. We're, well, we're, we're in the scent. We're in the same range for a few years anyway. <laughs> right. Both Gen X. And they didn't mention anything about the, the Gen X, but just the boomers, the baby boomers are drinking. Yeah. My poor generation, we kind of get lost in the shuffle sometimes. We're people, helping. Forget, people forget about us. Yeah. You know? We're helping the cause. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, and we are your hosts, Mark and Kim. You can find more information about Mark at his website, franklinlickers.com, and more information about myself at commonwealthwineschool.com. And as always, you can find our past episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. Welcome back to The Wonderful World of Wine. We are Mark and Kim, and there have been a slew, it seems, of new television shows in January that all launched focusing on wine. So we have three brand new TV shows that either are based at a winery or out of a winery or somehow have wine as a central focus of the show. And I just thought that this was something interesting and fun that we had to talk about. Yeah. It's always good to see something, you know, promoting wine. We just say we need it from our first segment there. And I'm a huge program going way back to when Andrea Emmer was on the Food Network, you know, mm. those type of things. But usually most of them are like Rick Steves or Dream of Italy or uh-huh. food based. Travel not, things. Yeah. yeah they, they're not like 
reality-based shows or comedies or anything like that based on wine. So when you sent me the list of shows, I have to admit I had to binge watch a few because <laughs> when I saw a few of them, like, oh, these don't look like they're, you know, they're not documentaries. They're not geeky enough for me, maybe. So uh, I kind of had to I binge watch it just so we could tell our listeners and uh, about them. So great. So what's the well, first one we want to tell the listeners about? Kim? So the first one is Grand Promised Cruise. Land. Okay, promise. So the first one is called Promised Land, and it this is a show that seems to be an awful lot like uh, the show from the eighties, Dynasty. Yeah. Which if if anyone. Uh, <laughs> is uh, older than older than me and uh and was able to watch dynasty when it was on uh television it seems to be very similar to that family drama succession um lots of wealth lots of landscape shots so but it's set in uh sonoma i believe and follows the family trials and tribulations um, of a family of uh, folks who are Mexican immigrants and own a winery in California and about passing the winery on to the next generation and everything that that happens to them. Yeah, it's like the American dream for the wine lover, really, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I I felt this one is more drama yeah. based and it's less about the the wine business or focusing on the wines i mean they show beautiful scenery uh but uh it's more about the background story of the the american dream of immigrants coming into the to the country and just building up a wine empire mm-hmm. so it's like wine is the is the background for the show but there's not necessarily a focus too much focus on wine yeah so far only only a few episodes have been made so far so my review so far is it's it's interesting drama, but it didn't it didn't pull me in as a wine geek. Let's uh-huh. say that. Well, that's what the documentaries are for, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to pull you in with the wine geekiness. It's interesting background. I like how they work things in, bring it past and present together. But uh, I needed more. I needed more wine stuff, which mm-hmm. the, which the Kings of Napa. If we can move on to that one, yes. that one is another family based uh wine family right that in uh it's, it's really also a like drama another drama yeah and when i'm watching it i'm like you know this it's napa so they live in a beautiful house uh it's like the light like we talked the lifestyle of rich and famous here and and the it's i i don't know kim it's they there was a few things i guess because of the geekiness they're in napa and they made a comment about they had a focus on their pinot grigio issue <laughs> right and as wine geeks we know there's not much it's not much grigio napa, being grown, grown in napa Pinot grigio so things like that and then in all the shows i always watch how people hold their wine glasses and they're all holding them by the bowl and i'm like these are wine like people and the way what they're showing here is it they, there's some things i don't know if they have wine consultants or not but saying pinot grigio and napa and then at one point, they were in their wine room, and it looked like they had a bunch of Riesling. And the family's kind of focusing on producing a new style, marketing something different. And they said, let's make a dessert wine Ooh. in Napa. So it's like a lot of that didn't seem realistic, but uh, a lot of drama. Mm-hmm. And unlike the Promised Land, the Kings of Napa, it does talk a lot of kind of 
maybe a lot of technical geeky stuff about wine, describing wines and stuff like that. So, so like more that, wine though. in Kings of Napa than in Promised Land. More yeah, actual wine. More talk. of the wine business so far, definitely. Hmm. But I find little things here and there that kind of uh, get me turned off about it. But then the drama draws me back in. And yeah. I can't watch this as a wine geek, but then the drama just draws me in. So do you find that about wine movies too, that you find yourself overanalyzing or even just analyzing what's going on with the wine? Yeah. Uh, you know, I see Hallmark does this a lot. You probably see a lot of wine-based movies. At Christmas, there was like an ice wine movie, but it was realistic because it was New York. It was like where they make ice Niagara. wine. Yeah. So... But then the love thing kicked in and, <laughs> you know, but that's Hallmark. It happens all right. the time. Um, but this Kings of Napa, the lifestyle they're living, just it seems so unapproachable and, and snobby that I don't know if that's going to draw people in to want to drink wine or like wine mm-hmm. based on their lifestyle. I mean, that's not the people we talked about it a few minutes ago. It's Is that the people you're trying to grab? I mean... I don't know. It, it kind of makes you me feel bad that or it makes me understand why Napa wine is so much money because these people are driving Ferraris and living in mansions <laughs> and everything. Yeah, else. Yeah, but how so, realistic is that, though? Well, I don't know. They're making yeah. it look like that's the common thing for yeah. for a Napa winery, and uh, I, it's there's been a few more episodes of this show than The Promised Land. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it looked like this one started at the beginning of January. Yeah, a lot of family drama, and uh, but just technically, I, I found a little thing. I'm sure that we'll find a lot of articles that way. Mm-hmm. The other show, Kim, the the Grand Crew. Now, when so I this saw, is this is a different one because this, this is a comedy. Yeah, it's a comedy. And when I first saw the previews for it, I'm like, oh, this looks cool. They hang out at a wine bar all day. And the first episode, it's a group of friends, and they get together at a bar at the end of the day, and the first like 25 minutes of the first episode, they don't touch a wine. They're not in a wine bar. They're not talking about wine. I say, what's going on here? This is a wine show. And then they build you up that uh, they finally find a wine bar that they like. And that's where they go to, mm. to all the time. And that kind of builds the whole story. Now they're, they're bonding over wine and they're telling about their daily lives and then I look and they're all holding the glasses by the bowl. And I'm like, oh, I'm such a geek. I just can't, I can't watch a show and not pick, you know, why they're doing it. And then the, the wines and weird colors. And I, I don't know what they're drinking. And uh. So you're saying that these TV shows, they need a wine consultant. I, I would think they would have one. I would think so, too. But it's uh, like you don't do a medical show and not have like a doctor on the writing staff. Right. 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 (laughs) But the Grand Crew, it's comedy. It's a good thing to, I think, promote wine more than the other two, because it's just how people can bond over wine and what the whole thing. The best thing about wine is the stories behind it and sharing Mm -hmm. stories, drinking wine. So I I think. And one of the things I read about that show, too, is that the actors have a really nice um, camaraderie with each other. So the idea that this is a group of friends who at the end of the day, you know, get together and drink wine together seems realistic right? because the actors have good rapport with each other. 
Right. And I and that's why I think this is good for, for the wine industry to see. Because that. that's how we drink, right? You know, we want to yeah. have a glass of wine with our friends. Do you, that's, you know, that's one of the things I want to ask you when we're going to talk about these TV shows. Do you think these are good promotions for, for people to start drinking wine or that will get people to drink wine? I don't think that's their purpose. I, you know, they're not, I, I think it's a, a backdrop. I think that uh, certainly for the ones that are set in, at, you know, at the wineries sort of lifestyle of the rich and famous kind of thing, that it's more like that the wine background is a set piece. You know, it's not there to well, why make all you... of a sudden three shows. I don't know. Based on wine. I know. I that's mean, what I found so interesting, too. Is like, or... What is it about? All I mean, we sudden. talk about the romance of wine and how wine will capture people's imagination. And I have to think that it, that has something to do with it, that there's just something intrinsically appealing. And yeah. I don't know. But after talking about our article about how the wine industry is having difficulty with getting millennial consumers to drink wine, here we have Grand Crew, which is focusing on a group of young people and young African-American people around wine and their interest in food and wine and, you know, being together and just having a nice time with it and enjoying it and learning a little bit about it. So it seems very different or a little off the beaten path from all of these um, dreary <laughs> reports that we've gotten about the state of the industry and who's drinking and who's not. So do you think the 26 to 41 year old millennials, these shows are for them? I think so. I mean, I, maybe not the dynasty-esque ones, but I think the comedy, sure. Yeah, the Grand Crew, though the people in the, that show are, are in that range. So right. I yep. think they would you know, young young professionals, yeah. that kind of age. Yeah, and I think they can relate to that more than the other two. They, to me, come off a little snobby and kind of unrealistic for mm -hmm. younger generations. It kind of makes you, makes me jealous, you know, that <laughs> these people live in this lifestyle and every night are just opening a expensive bottle. And the Grand Crew one is definitely more, can grab more people, I think, to say, mm -hmm. let's go out to a local place and let's sit down and share some wine versus I'm going to try to find this Napa wine and buy it or and, and do you I, think it would make it appealing to people? Like, I think it's very interesting to have wine as the centerpiece of a TV show if the point and have the point not be getting people interested in wine, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I was waiting for the wine commercials to come up. No, yeah. I'm surprised no marketing <laughs> people went that route and say, hey, let's yeah. put some uh, one of our products up in between right. on a commercial. But no, I mean... No yellowtail ads to yeah, be seen anywhere. <laughs> they're missing out on that. Man, I, I should have run a store commercial with the in-between. Maybe. Company. Oh, that's funny. Man. Yeah, so new shows. And I did see an article that was putting, it had it said something, there was some technical issues, but it was behind a pay site and I couldn't get to it. I, I wonder if they had the same kind of take on it that I did hmm. about the little technical things, but. I couldn't get to it. Maybe because we do, uh, you know, we do close watches of those things. And I'm sure just like uh, lawyers don't necessarily watch 
lawyer shows <laughs> for all yeah. the same reasons. Sometimes it's a little harder for us to get into fiction yeah. <laughs> with it's... with wine at the focus because we um, we know it so well that we can get <laughs> annoyed. Well, now that you told me about him, Kim, it like now it tied me up because I had it. I had to uh, tape all the upcoming shows because I watched them. And now I'm hooked. Uh-huh. So now added to my time, I don't have to watch more shows. That's and right. My wife's upset with you because <laughs> now. Hey, this was business. <laughs> yeah, something else I had to watch. Right. So but I hope the listeners uh Check them out and see what they think and let us know. Do you think this will get you interested and more interested in wine? Or is it a good direction for wine to go to promote like this? Or Or is it just an escape? You know, sometimes we want to watch those shows about luxurious places that we may never go. And uh, and maybe that is the point of a show about wine. Thank you for joining us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. Kim and I are here every week on Franklin Radio, WFPR 102.9 FM. For more information about Kim, please go to her website at commonwealthwineschool.com. For more information about myself, please go to franklinlickers.com. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. We'd like any questions or comments you have. Let us know if you've watched these TV shows. You can find us also on Twitter at Wine Education, and you can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes to find our past episodes. Cheers. Cheers.